and expect a rich return. God has provided and freely given to us all things for life and godliness. We give in faith, and it is returned to us, shaken down, making room for more. We are fully satisfied, overflowing, and running over the top. We shout to the magnify the Lord, favoring His righteous cause. He is pleased that we prosper. We gladly honor the Lord with our capital, substance, and our income. God fills our accounts abundantly, and we overflow in the fullness of God's Spirit. God enables us to get wealth, increase wealth, and become very wealthy to establish His covenant. We abound in grace. We are fully supplied for every good work. God multiplies what we give, and we increase our fruits of righteousness. We are blessed with what God has given us. God makes us rich with no regrets. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with a message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go with all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. You know, I think of this new confession. This is the first time I've seen it. Did we do this before? I don't know. Oh. No, no. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. The last line before we say who we are at Victory, it says we are blessed in what God has given us. God makes us rich with no regrets. And I think that's key. You know, the old way of thinking, and some of uh, some people may have to sweep up the cobwebs on this thinking. I'm just saying, if you look at what's happening in the world today, people are, are being paid and are being financed to create chaos. That's just the truth. Right? You can't go so many days without working and do what you're doing. And in the meantime, over the past years, decades actually, the church has been living in a reserved type of attitude when it comes to money because for some reason money will cause you to be unholy. Well, <laughs> If you haven't seen lately, money also causes people to do unholy actions. But what will it cause a Christian to do? That's the real question. So even though money is something that we believe and we receive that God blesses us with, when we do show up where the money can take us, transportation-wise, media-wise, all those places we can go because of money, it is the power of God that operates in us that changes that atmosphere. Do you see what I'm saying? So don't get so caught up that somehow we're thinking the more money we have, the more of God that we can help share with the world. The money is simply a means of exchange so we can get to the places that need to have our physical presence and even our, um, you know, the media. So these are all places that the church needs to start invading. And then when you get there as a believer, whether it's by your voice or your actual presence, you display the power of God. 
that dwells in you. Amen? That can work through us so that the anointing of God could destroy you from bondages and set captives free. So I think that's one way that we can look at money and not be all like, ooh, the church is confessing prosperity now. Well, part of the covenant. So. For those watching, part of the covenant. So I just wanted to encourage you. There isn't anyone more prosperous than God. Amen. I mean, his dwelling place is pretty fine, what I've heard. <laughs> the devil's dwelling place is pretty nasty. It's pretty warm. It's pretty warm there, too. It's like, and it ain't tropical warm. <laughs> so everything the devil does brings a loss. Every single thing the devil does brings a loss. Even the money that goes into the hands of his people, he causes it to become a loss. Because they throw it into his kingdom, which is darkness. Have you ever tried to find something in the dark? Yeah. It's there, but you just can't get your hands on it. That's what happens. Groping in the dark is how the enemy operates. When we, in the kingdom of God, there's light. And there's light and more light as we keep walking. We go from glory to glory to glory to glory. That's just the path the Christian goes. But the enemy will come in and he has to put shade on you. And he has to put all kinds of stuff so that you, you can, you know, the light of God can be disturbed in your life. But we must believe for the prosperity that belongs to the children of God to come to the kingdom of God. And it's one thing if you don't have time, you don't want to do that and get all that money to manage. Just hand it over. We'll figure it out. <laughs> the key is don't block it. If you could be a distributor. Don't block it. Don't block yourself from being a distributor because you don't want to manage it. You understand what I'm saying? But we got to get our heads right on this. We're seeing a display of what's going on when darkness uses its money. But we have the power of God. That's what we overcome the enemy with, is the power of God. Amen? But we got to get to these places. And I'd like everybody to stand up for one more time. And then we're going to pray for our president and his wife. And uh, Father, we bring before you today President Trump and his wife Melania, their family, Father, all of his cabinet members, Lord, and the things that are happening in this moment, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are a mighty God. And we just thank you, Father, that you sent your word to them, you healed them, you restored health to them, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise for your goodness. You are the healer. And you promised us healing in your word. And we give you thanks and praise, Lord. We stand on that promise. And we give you thanks and praise for protecting our president, delivering our president from evil, Lord. And we give you thanks that he can continue to do what he was called to do. And we just give you the praise and the honor and the glory, Father. We surround him with protection, with the angelic host, with the word of God. And we give you thanks and praise, Lord, that your word works. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Father, we pray a protection of our country right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we are protected, that we are kept safe as a country. And Father, we speak that the spirit of division that has wanted to enter the atmosphere is kept back. And Lord, just like uh, angels had to come forth to fight for Daniel when he prayed. And Father, we call forth your angels that will fight 
that will fight for this nation, for your protection, Lord. We agree with your protection over this nation. We agree with your will for this nation, Father. Yes. And we refuse to give it up to the enemy in any part, any pieces, any pieces of land, any cities, any borders, Father. We pray, Lord, that this land is kept intact and we are in unity and the gospel will go forth from this nation. And Father, we just speak it over our nation right now in the name of Jesus. We command every plan of the enemy to come to nothing. It will yield a zero return. It will end up in darkness. It will not be seen again. Father, we call for the unity of the body of Christ. We call for the unity of the nation. We call for the deliverance of those who are operating by evil powers. That they will be delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. We speak that this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 We are not powerless. Amen. Right? Amen. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you. It was never God's idea that His work and word should not be involved in government affairs. Amen. Isaiah, I believe it's 9 7, he says the government. Let me say the government is on his shoulders. And, you know, he wrote a book called Judges, which is about leaders of nations. And he wrote a book, actually two volumes, about kings. And, uh, you know, he formed a nation that wasn't a nation. And that nation still exists today. It's called Israel. And that was formed out of the covenant that he made with Abraham. And... Uh, you know, God very much, and oh, and you know, David was a king who wore an ephod. An ephod was a garment of the priest. Not every king wore that, but he did, uh, that's king and priest. And he made us kings and priests. So this notion that, oh, we shouldn't get involved in politics, this I'm sure, that's the problem. Christianity has let the devil take a lot of that over. Right, we're not involved here. And uh, number one, we can be involved by voting. And I want to encourage you to vote. You know, our choice is clear. Righteousness, saving babies, amen? Uh, Standing for what's right. uh, Keeping your word, amen? And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, we are... A nation that was founded by God. And I just want to encourage you uh, to vote. And uh, get informed before you vote. Amen? Amen. Uh, I know that there's different organizations that uh, kind of put a summary of what the the people who are running for office and what they believe. And it's good to uh, get in that. But the Holy Ghost knows. Amen? You, 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 you've got inside information right there in the Holy Ghost. And uh, he'll lead God and direct you. And uh, I want to read uh, one scripture from Leviticus 7, and then one from Galatians, uh, actually a couple from Galatians chapter 6. And uh, Leviticus 7, 
and verse 37. Now, this was when uh, they were still in the wilderness. And verse Leviticus 7.37 says, This is the law of the burnt offering, the meat offering, and of the sin offering, and of the trespass offering, and of the consecrations, and of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. Verse 38, Which the Lord commanded Moses in Mount Sinai in the day that he commanded the children of Israel to offer their oblations unto the Lord in the wilderness. Let me say in the wilderness. Do you think the wilderness was an ideal place to receive offerings? The place wasn't ideal, but guess what? God still instituted it. What I'm saying is, it doesn't matter what place you find yourself in. Amen? God, giving to God has been something always that God has uh, taught in His Word. Alright, now let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Alright? Galatians 6 and verse 6. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. He be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Did you know that you reap what you sow? So be careful what you sow, because it will grow. Verse 8, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Amen? And uh, just want to say, we, we have opportunities to give here. Uh, we have our seed container online. We have our website. And uh, just want to encourage you, amen, it's always a good time to give. Father, we just thank you so much for your abundant blessing, protection, and provision on every giver. Lord, you celebrate and promote cheerful givers, Lord, because they reflect your nature. And I give you thanks and praise, Lord, that every gift that comes into this work, Lord, it goes into your hand and it increases your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And when can you give? Anytime. Alright, anytime. Alright. Before I dismiss the kids, just want to know what's uh, coming up in October. Um, Of course, we're going to have a debt charge this Tuesday. Um, Every, I say October 18th. We're going to have a special guest from the West Coast, Dr. Marilyn Neubauer is going to be here. And uh, she's going to be here to minister on that Sunday. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So I want you to prepare for that. It would be a great opportunity to invite someone. She is an excellent teacher. Uh, She got healed of multiple things. And uh, she's not preaching the word. So that's happening October 18th. And then um, also at the end of this month, we're going to culminate our Barnabas group. You know, we meet uh, once a month and... At the end of the year, we have a great celebration called our Everyday Hero Conference. And uh, that's available to all men 12 and up. It's free, but you ought to register, amen? That way we know exactly um, what to prepare for. And I'd encourage you, men, to invite some others. All right? Come and invite some others. Amen? Amen. 
It's going to be a great time. All right. Hopefully I didn't miss anything. If not, we'll catch it later. Kids, we have some awesome, incredible kids in this place. And we have an awesome, incredible teacher. So kids, it's time to go to your kid's side class. Experience God in your world. Be blessed. Learn about his kingdom. Have a great class. Hallelujah. Whew, it's a good day today. And uh, I'm excited to be able to minister the word of the Lord to you this morning. God's got something for us. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your device, I want you to look to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, he tells us something here in verse 12. 1 Timothy 6.12 And he, Paul is encouraging a young pastor. And uh, Pat, Timothy pastored at Ephesus for some time. He uh, traveled with Paul. He meant, Paul was his mentor. And uh, in verse 12, the Bible says, Fight. Let me say Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you are called. Profess and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Did you know that Christianity is a fight? We fight the devil. We fight the flesh. We fight the world, and then we fight evil. It is a fight. And today, God is going to raise up some fighters. Amen? How many are glad we have a fighter in the White House? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, any time that there is a position of power and influence, the enemy would love to take it over. And to do his will, to steal, kill, and destroy. But see, faith is a fight. Some people don't want to admit that faith is a fight. Oh, I thought faith was a bed of roses. I thought faith was walking on clouds. No, faith is a fight. What kind of fight? It's a good fight. What is a good fight? It's one that you win. I mean... Anybody who lost a championship out, you know, they're not going to say it was a good fight. No, they lost. Amen? And God has equipped us to fight. And I want to talk to you today about a fighter. One individual whose name is Caleb. Caleb was a fighter. And uh, we're going to see things about his life. And, uh, you know, this word... Fight. It's like a word contest. It, it refers to like um, an Olympic athletic match. You know, Olympians are fighters. I mean, they train and train for an event in a short period of time. They have their events, but they train for four years. And 
They're fighters. I mean, their competition is fierce, right? Everybody wants to get the gold. And this word, fight, is that. It's, it speaks of that contest. It means to contend for a prize. Is there a prize for serving God? Some people are going to be shocked when they get there to find out that they haven't won any prize. Hmm. Oh, you mean, see, God's going to judge us for what we did on this earth. How we did what he told us to do. How he did what he intended us to do. How did we work out his calling? Not our calling, his calling. Amen? And he's going to, there's going to be judgment time, and that's going to be where the rubber meets the road. And this word fights is the Greek word agonizomai. How many has ever heard of the word agonize? Right? And that's where we get that word agonize. It means a conflict and a struggle. Right? Um, it means to engage in intense athletic competition. So, if you're a fighter, if you're one who's going to stand up for what's right, say amen. amen. Let me tell you some things about a fighter. Alright? A fighter is not politically correct but they fight for what's right. How many know, sometimes you've got to put decorum aside and you've got to fight. Fighting is messy sometimes. Right? You know, like, I've heard terms used, oh, he's a scrapper. You know, he likes to get in the mix, he's a scrapper. I've seen little guys who are fierce fighters. I've seen big guys who are fierce fighters. A fighter doesn't mince words, but he or she speaks their mind. Amen? A fighter is not going to care if they hurt your feelings. They're just going to fight until they win. Did you know David didn't care about hurting Goliath's feelings? Joshua didn't care about hurting Jericho's feelings. Amen? Okay? A fighter aggressively goes after the enemy. Say aggressively. You can't let the enemy, you've got to confront the enemy. You've got to go after the enemy. You've got to stop the enemy. It takes some aggression. I remember the story that Brother Hagen told about Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth was sitting at the bus stop. And he was waiting for the bus to arrive. And there was also another lady at the bus stop. And while she was waiting for the bus stop, her little dog came. And you know, the little dog was bouncing up and down, kind of hanging out, tail wagging. And she said, okay now, go home. Go home. The dog is bouncing up and down, wagging his tail, sticking out his tongue. You know, go home. Go home. Dog's still there. Finally, she stopped her foot, clapped her hands. She said, now go! And that dog went back home. And Smith said, that's exactly how you've got to deal with the devil. Yeah. Amen. 
A fighter defends what they believe fiercely. You've got to have a fierceness about you when it comes to defending what you believe. Amen. And hopefully you believe the truth. Right. <laughs> a fighter is willing to stand alone when no one stands with them. Right. I've heard it said, they say it's lonely at the top. You know, when you get to a top position in, in any uh, area, <laughs> it's lonely sometimes. Right? But they'll defend, they'll, they'll stand when no one stands with them. That's what a fighter does. I'm married to a fighter, I know. <laughs> and I'm glad I am. A fighter is not afraid to go against the grain. Do you know what salmon do when it's time to lay their eggs? They leave the ocean and they swim against the current. And they go, they, they are, are tuned by how they were created to go to the spot where they were born. And they fight through the current. They fight through the grizzlies. They fight through the eagles. They fight through all the dangers until they get to that place. They're going upstream against them. It's not easy to go against the current. But that's what a fighter does. They go against the grain. Because sometimes the, need, the grain needs to be gone. It needs to be gone against. And then a fighter is persuasive, strong, strong tough, and confrontive. I am I'm for one. I never really liked confrontation. I know that there are some like me. Some love it, some don't. And for a long time, when I was younger, I would avoid confrontation. I remember I was at a party. I was in, I was backslidden. And um, I was in a minority as far as, you know, schools have competitions and they're competitive against one another. If you're from one school, you don't take kindly to people from another school. Well, I was in that situation, and there was a lot more of the other school than there was from my school. And, and this person just wanted to come up to me and wanted to fight for no reason. And I told the person, I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. <laughs> so, this person hauled off and punched me in the face. And I stood there and I looked at him. I didn't punch back because I would have been pounced by five other people. I just looked at him for just a second. I let him know that his punch wasn't going to do anything to me, and then I just walked away. And I left. You know? Sometimes you've got to live and preach tomorrow than try to stand in faith, man. Amen? I mean, there were times when Paul was let down in a basket at night. Why? People wanted to kill him. Anyway... So this is what a fight, a fighter is. Amen? And if you're a fighter, say amen. amen. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to look at the life of this fighter named Caleb. 
We've we got to have some Caleb's today. Caleb was part of a minority. And in Numbers chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to go down to 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, this is 13.1, Send men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Everybody say a ruler. Or a leader. And then verse... Uh, 17 so um, we know that uh, in verse 6 Caleb was a leader of the tribe of Judah he was an influencer people followed him he had a say in what happened to his family to his group he was a leader alright and thank God that God makes leaders fighters. And so then verse 17, So Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way and southward, and go into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell there, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is, is that they dwell in, whether it be good, or bad, and when cities they, they be that dwelt in what cities they be that dwelt that, that they dwell in. Well, King James is tough sometimes. Whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage. Everybody say good courage. If there's good courage, there's bad courage. Mm. And bring the fruit. Uh, Bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was of the first grapes. So they had an assignment, right? They had a mission. And uh, you have to make up your mind that you're going to fight and possess what God has given you. So many people don't possess what God says because they think it's just going to drop out of heaven into their lap without them doing anything. I wish it were that easy. But there are things, you, you don't, you can't work your way to the blessing, but you've got to believe God. You've got to speak His Word. You've got to stand on His promises to get what He, he said. Amen? So you've got to make up your mind. Alright? And uh, so, they went out. Right? And they came back and they discovered that the land was just like Moses said. For 40 days, these 12 leaders, one from every tribe, including Caleb, including Joshua, they went in, they checked out the land, they checked out the people, they checked out the fruits. And it was exactly how Moses said. It was exactly how God said. There wasn't any difference. They even brought back evidence of the fruit. I mean, a cluster of grapes being carried by two men on a pole? Grapes the size of soccer balls or 
you know, softballs or basketballs. Well, it's from big hockey groups. Amen? Now, something happened in verse 20. Nevertheless, the, birth, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and their cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Those are giants. So where's their focus? On how many the people are, how great their cities are, and giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites in the mountains, and the Canaanites by the sea, and by the coast. Now look at verse 30. We see Caleb interjecting here. The people are starting to get crazy. They're starting to magnify the problem more than the promise. They're starting to talk about how hard it is versus how great God is. First of all, did any harm come to them in 40 days? They were able to go in the land and back out without a scratch. They didn't even have to fight. All they had to do was fly to investigate. Right? They, they weren't confronted. They weren't belittled. They didn't even have a chance. They spied for 40 days. They're in, they're out. Nothing happened to them. So, they're starting to magnify the problem. Sometimes people do that in their life. They magnify the problem. So here's what Caleb does, verse 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, he, he quieted the people and he said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Now that's a much different statement than what they were making. It goes against the grain. You know, people probably thought, who are you Caleb to say such a thing? Look at he he's standing for what's right. He's standing for God. And uh, you've got to quiet unbelief. You've got to quiet doubt and rebellion and anything contrary to God's word or mandate. When something in your life is contrary to what God said, you've got to come against it. You've got to stop it. You've got to quiet it. Yeah. It might even be need to be quieted in your own mind. Right. And you might even have to quiet other people. What did Jesus do when he entered the room of Jairus' daughters, uh, of Jairus' house where his daughter was who just died? He put the people out who were mourning and caring. He walked in. Jesus walked They saw the girl die. And they had these professional mourners. I'll cry a tear for a dollar. That's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus said, the, the girl is not dead. What did they do? They went from crying to scorning just like that. Tells me that their crying was a little fake. If you transition that quickly, <laughs> they laughed. Well, what did Jesus do? He put them out. That's a way of silencing them. Amen? Amen. When someone disagrees with God, there's the door. <laughs> I like what Pastor Hagen always said. If you don't like it, you can eat XIT. 
He said that all the time. Yeah, we EXIT right there. So, Caleb quieted the people. He told the people to be quiet and listen to Moses. He was respectful of authority. He didn't go against the chain of command. You know, he didn't say, I'll lead you. He knew who his leader was. Amen? He knew it was Moses. Caleb knew that he could possess it. He knew that Israel could possess it. He knew that God said it. He was convinced. Now, do not raise your hand. Just think. Alright? How quickly do you agree with God? When something is contrary to God, how long does it take you to get on God's side and stand up for it? Hmm? Just don't raise your hand, just thought. How boldly do you show your agreement with God's word, plan, and will? You know, sometimes in a fight, we don't need to be silent. Amen? Did you know that your greatest weapon is your mouth? Did you know what Je- what's in Jesus' mouth when he comes? A flaming sword. Say, my mouth is a powerful weapon for God. Yeah. We can praise. We can speak the name of Jesus. We can talk to inanimate objects. Amen. We can use our mouth. Where did God put the power of life and death? In the tongue. Some people think that that might have been misplaced. No, God, God put power of life and death in our tongue. So Caleb was convinced, persuaded, and confident. Does that sound like faith? Yep. It certainly does. Amen? He contradicted what the people were saying, and he spoke what God had already said. He was in a fight. Who stood with him in this fight? One other person. Joshua. It was 2 verses 10. But how many know, when you got God on your side, it doesn't matter how many people are against you. Or how many problems you're facing. Amen? It doesn't matter how big the devil makes himself look. The big blowfish. He tries to blow himself up bigger than what he really is so that you you will get into fear. Don't be afraid about numbers of those against you or problems that you have. Be glorified that you have a God who's bigger than all of them at once. Alright, let's go to Numbers 14. Starting with verse 6. We're talking about a fighter named Caleb. And we're, we're extracting some truth from his life that's going to help us fight the good fight. Whether you realize it or not, all of us are called to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says, unto which you were called. You're called in this fight. You can't stay in the corner. You can't stay on the bench. You've been called to fight. 
Amen? Say, I am called to fight. And God gives you the strength to fight. He gives you the equipment to fight. He already given you the victory to fight. You fight from a position of victory, not of defeat. Numbers 14 says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. Alright? They tore their clothes. See, tearing the clothes was an outward expression of extreme grief or horror at a tragedy or negative behavior. It was like you were showing how much you hated what was happening. They tore their clothes. See, a fighter has to have a certain mentality. A capability, faith, determination, boldness, speech, and a willingness, just like Joshua and Caleb. You've got to be willing. Well, I don't like fighting too bad. Get over it. Amen? Jesus wasn't necessarily too thrilled about the cross either. But he did it, amen? For the joy that was set before him. I mean, you talk about a fight. Jesus... He suffered more than anybody ever suffered put together on the earth. And look at how he turned out. Amen? What happened after the cross? Resurrection, three days later. He didn't have to buy it to him. He borrowed it. Why? He's only going to be there a couple days. I'm just going to rent this. I'm just going to rent this tomb. You know, tomb for rent. If you're not planning on staying dead too long. Amen? Come on. Are you planning to stay dead too long? I mean, come on. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are dead, dry bones. Laying around doing nothing for God. That's all I'm going to say about that. Alright? So you've got to use your mouth to release your faith. Alright? Verse 7. They spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If you look what God spoke to Moses, what God spoke to Abraham, he described the land as good. They're saying what God said. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give, it, give us a land which flowed with milk and honey. So, you've got to use your mouth to release your faith. Say, my mouth mouth. is an important tool in this battle. Yeah, our mouths. They said to the people. Remember now, it's 2 verses 10. And you're talking about the the faith of several million people hanging the balance. Okay? This is an important fight. So... They confirmed God's word. It was an exceedingly good land. They were bringing the people back to the description of the the promise. Amen? They were reiterating the promise. One of the ways that we release faith is we reiterate the promise. We say what God said. 
Amen? Did not Jesus tell us to speak? How did we get saved? We used our mouths. We made a confession that Jesus is Lord. And when we made that confession, what happened? He came into our hearts. We had to use our mouths to get saved. Well, if you use your mouth to get saved, you're going to have to use your mouth to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? So this was a good land. Right? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We got some devil busters in here today. We're going to release you today and you're going to whoop the kingdom of darkness. If it tries to show up in any area of your life, if, if it tries to show up in your body, you're going to whoop it. If it tries to show up in your family, you're going to whoop it. If it tries to enter your house, you're going to whoop it. Just whoop it. Whoop it good, right? I don't know where that came from. But... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Did you know that you are a treasure container for God? What are you made out of? Earth. So you're an earthen vessel. And what do we have? We have a treasure in this earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. You've got a treasure in you that is powerful. Amen? And uh, verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Say, I'm not distressed. Not distressed. Trouble on every side, and you're not distressed. Why? i got a treasure in me. I got a deposit in me. So God put something in me. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called His Word. It's powerful. The reason I'm not distressed is because I've got something on the inside, working on the outside. What a change in my life. We are perplexed or puzzled, but not in despair. Why? I've got one who puts together every puzzle. I've got one who knows where the pieces go. I've got one who leads God and directs me. My God is the greatest puzzle put together. That was a mouthful to say, by the way. Notice they're experiencing trouble, but they're not letting the trouble get in them. See, and that's the choice that you've got to make. Just because you made Jesus your Lord doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. Trouble will try to take an opportunity to see if it can overwhelm you. But guess what? You're up for the challenge. You are equipped with holy armor. Okay? So they're not distressed, they're not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Why? I have someone who sticks closer to me than a brother. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I don't care what you do to me. I've got someone who's working in me. Amen. Persecuted, but not forsaken. See, sometimes, here's what the devil does. You've got all this trouble happening in your life, and he makes you think that you're the only one. Right. And you feel abandoned. 
You, you don't feel like you can, uh, any, there's anywhere to turn. And there's no one that's experiencing anything like this ever. Really? You know, Elijah, after defeating the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he gets a letter from a postman. And it's written from Jezebel. It wasn't a love letter. She said, I'm going to kill you. Like I did. Now, she did that. She had a reputation. She was a vicious, wicked woman. Right? And he runs in the opposite direction. And he's sitting under a juniper tree asking God to kill him. If you wanted to die, just wait for Jezebel's messenger to tell the part. But no, he runs away and he's complaining to God because he wants to, I'm the only one. Um, excuse me, Elijah. I have seven thousand to have. What'd you say, Lewis? Seven thousand? But he was feeling like he was the only one. What, where were the seven thousand? They were hiding in caves. They were hiding. So he didn't see them. Obadiah hid a hundred prophets, fed them bread and water. Why? Because Jezebel was, they were killing the prophets. Say, I'm not the only one. Who's facing what I'm facing? Who went through what I went through? You're not the only one. Alright? Cast down, but not destroyed. Why? I keep getting up. Say, I keep getting up. Why? I got a treasure in me. You can push me down, but I'm coming back up. You can knock me off the horse, but I'm getting back in the saddle. Right? I get up. When the world knocks me down, I get up. This is what Caleb did. He kept getting up. He kept standing. He kept fighting. We got to keep getting up. We got to keep standing. We got to keep speaking the word. It's got to be a continual daily thing. We face challenges every day. And as, as the time gets closer for Jesus' return, it's not going to get any easier. But you've got to learn how to stand as a believer. You've got to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. So many people don't know it because they don't want to fight. They want someone else to do it. They want the pastor to fight for. They want the prophet to fight for. They want the apostle. No, you fight for yourself. Listen, I'll fight you. I'll fight for you. I'm not going to fight you. (laughs) Sorry about that. No, I'm going to fight with you, but I can't fight every one of your battles. Did you notice when David showed up on the battlefield, he didn't go get get anybody. He said, look, let me go get someone else. No, he faced Goliath. Why? No one else would. You might be in a position where no one else will stand up. So someone's got to do it. That's you. So that someone is me. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also might be made manifest in our body. How many want the life of God manifested in your body? Well, you know what? You know, you can have that. All it does is take getting into faith. Amen? When you're in faith, He's going to, he's going to be manifested in your body. All right? Um, let's go down to verse 13. 
This is what Caleb and Joshua did. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. I'm going to say according to what is written. See, that's important. When you're fighting, you can't use your opinions as weapons. You'd be firing blanks. You can't use your feelings as weapons. Well, I feel. You can't use anything but the word. So it has to be according to what is written or what you know God spoke to you. A rhema word. When God spoke to me to go to Rhema and he showed me the next step, there was nothing that was going to convince me. Even if I had to go against my parents' best wishes. But thank God that God brought them on board. They get in on the blessing, amen? Listen, you can either oppose the blessing or get in on it. I would recommend opposing it. God said, I've set before you life, death, blessing, and the curse. He said, I would that you choose life. He's giving you a little insight into the answer. <laughs> Amen? Amen? The same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I what? Spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. That is the key. Right? You've got to use your mouth. Let's go back to Numbers 14. Okay? Verse 7. I want you to notice that Caleb and Joshua, they passed through the land. And Caleb wanted to share what he saw in the land with everyone. He wanted them to experience it. He wanted them to have the benefits. He wanted them to see what he saw, to have what he had. Amen? He went in ahead of them and to let them know that they, they, it's good. You can go in and get it. Aren't you glad that people go in before you, they tell you what's yours, they tell you what's available, they tell you you can have it, and all you've got to do is go get it. Oh, yes, uh, this is Walmart. Your package is ready. Come and get it whenever it suits you. Amen? If you order uh, pickup, I don't know. I've never done that, so hallelujah. So they passed through the land. He wanted the people to experience it. Leaders want followers to be to be where they are, to to have what they have and to do what they do. Amen? And God passes this to us through inheritance. Alright? Let's move on. Verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us in the land and give it to us. Well, what does it mean to be delighted? Is God pleased with you? How do you please God? By faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So if we're doing something that doesn't represent faith, guess what? We're not pleasing God. He's not delighting in us. Alright? When God is pleased, He brings us in. And He gives it to you. When we please God, it's a no-brainer. Amen? All we got to do to please God is believe He is and believe He's a rewarder than the diligently seek Him and stick with that. Alright? Then in verse 8, He said this, 
Verse 9, I mean. Verse 9. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are ready for us. I love how Caleb talked. I don't care. If the bigger they are, the bigger slice of bread. <laughs> Have you ever been threatened by bread? I don't care if someone throws you, throws at you one of those hard French bread. Bread doesn't threaten me. Bread is an invitation for me to take a box. They are bread for you. Do, you. do you think of your enemies as bread? Do you think of cancer as bread? Do you think of sickness as bread? Do you think of lack as bread? You know, when you eat a slice of bread, it's gone. <laughs> it's not around anymore. <laughs> so we got to be eating some bread. Jesus is the bread of life. He told the people, don't rebel. I've got to give you some insight about what the Bible says rebellion is. Now these are all scriptures that I looked up in the Bible. I passed through the land of rebellion so that I could bring it to you. Okay? Rebellion is defiance against authority. Doesn't matter what the authority is if you defy the authority. Alright? Rebellion is gathering against the authority, grumbling, opposing, and complaining against them. Like Korah did against Moses. The Bible talks specifically calls that rebellion. Alright? Rebellion is sin against the Lord and not listening to Him. Everybody said not listening. You know, when you don't listen to God, you can't do what He said. But that's rebellion. I didn't say it. This is the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but uh, that's Deuteronomy 1, 41-43. Rebellion is provoking the Lord to wrath and being stubborn. Stubbornness. I'm going to do it my way. God will say, okay. Did you know God will let you do it your way? Yes. But he'll be there to pick up the pieces when not when it doesn't work out. It's being stubborn, provoking God to who wants to provoke God to wrath? Let me just serve God's anger. You know? Let me just grab this bull by the horns and, and see if I can handle it. That bull will flip you around like nothing. Rebellion is not believing God or obeying His voice. So people who are in unbelief are actually in rebellion. I don't believe that. Well, the Bible said it. I don't care what the Bible I know what I... I don't believe it. You're in rebellion. These are scriptures. Rebellion is self-reliance, self-promotion, abandoning God and being insolent and mocking towards Him or His truths. Another scripture. 
Rebellion is idolatry and turning away from the Lord. What is that? You make something more important than God. That's an idol. Don't worry, I'm going to breathe some oxygen in this place here. I can see some need some resuscitation. Rebellion is witchcraft and divination. It reject, it's rejecting God's word. Like Saul did when he rejected God's word. Saul, I mean, rebellion is acting presumptuously, stiffening your neck, and refusing to obey God. Presumption, that means it's based on feeling or emotion, but not the word. Or experience. Why am I saying this? Caleb said, don't rebel. I'm encouraging you not to do this. Amen? Amen. Rebellion is planning evil and mischief against God. You can't trick God even if you try. <laughs> but it's the planning of it. It's the thinking of it. How, how, how can I get out of what God wants me to do? You know, people have creative ways as to why they don't tie. They think of creative ways. I remember having a discussion with a person several years ago. And, you know, I mean, they, people say, well, should I tithe on the net or the gross? What kind of blessing do you want? A gross blessing or a net blessing? <laughs> Amen? Why do we try to reason our way out of what God has said to do? Amen? Anyway, this person that I uh, was discussing with, you know, we, we showed them what the Bible said. And you know what? It changed. It changed their, their thought about it. And, uh, amen, that's an awesome thing. Rebellion is lifting your heel against God. That's in John 13, 18. And rebellion is having your mind only set on the flesh. Not on God. Alright, let's get to some better news. <laughs> Amen? Let's look at verse 24 in chapter 14. Verse 24. It says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein unto he went, and his seed shall be said. Did you know that Moses couldn't even go in the land? Moses was disqualified because when God said, speak to the rock, he struck the rock. Right? And ever since he did that, Moses was disqualified, and he couldn't even bring it up against God anymore. God said, don't talk to me about that anymore. You're not going in. Moses couldn't cross the Jordan. He couldn't go in, but Joshua and Caleb, why? Because they had a different spirit. I mean, he called Caleb his servant. Caleb served God privately and publicly. If you're not serving God privately, <coughs> what you do publicly then is going to be vain. Right? How many know you've got to do it both? Well, I'm going to put my church face on today. What do you do when you go home? Take it off? <laughs> Amen? No! we got to be at home who we are here. Right? 
There should be no difference. We're not, we're, we're not bipolar. We're not schizophrenic, right? We are being who we are, wherever we are, with whoever we are. We should not change. We should not be this, this way for this person, this way for this. Paul called Peter on the carpet for that. You read about it. Peter was acting one way with the Jews and another way with the Gentiles, and Paul rebuked him publicly. He said, that is not so. We, we shouldn't be telling people to get back under the law. We're under grace. And he rebuked them publicly. So Caleb had a different spirit. He had one of humility. He had a faithful spirit. He was willing and obedient. He was ready to fight for God or anyone who comes against God. That's the kind of spirit that he had. That's the, how do we know he had that spirit? That's the way he acted. That's the way he talked. Did you know that in Acts 6, when the widows were uh, calling for greater care, they were being neglected, right, in the early church. And the apostles said, okay, thank you for bringing this problem. Let's do something about it. Choose you out among you. Who did the choosing of Stephen and Philip? It was the people. They had to recognize that someone was full of faith, full of wisdom, and full of the Spirit of God. Well, how, how, how do those things portray in our life? What we do and what we say. That reveals what kind of a spirit we are. Amen? Are you here this morning? This isn't boring, is it? No. Alright. So Caleb followed God wholly. Right? He didn't leave anything undone. Caleb and Joshua were the exception to the norm. Ten spies died. Two lived. Ten, sp- or ten spies did not go any further. They died. Two lived and went in to succeed. Alright? So, and, uh, Caleb did not grumble or complain or murmur or whine, because that's what other people did. God says, I heard your complaints about against me. Oh, I wasn't complaining against you. See, any time that we complain against the leader, God takes it personal. We can't complain about a leader and not have God not hear it. You read it. God said, I heard your complaints about me. No, we were complaining about you. We were complaining about Moses. Yeah, he represents me. Be careful what you say. This is Bible teaching. Amen? I didn't come up with this. I'm just telling you about it. So they were the exception. Don't participate with evil or anyone that's anti-God. Everybody say anyone. I don't care if it's someone who's close to you. They're anti-God. You don't participate with them. Amen? Okay, so only Joshua and Caleb were permitted in. What made the difference? It was their faith. It was the the stance they took, the fight they engaged in. Not everyone agrees with faith. If that were true, everybody would have been saved by now. Not everyone agrees with faith. Some people think that they can live their lives successfully without God. It's true, isn't it? There are some people who think that they don't need God 
And they're going to have a rude awakening when they get to the end. You need, we need God. Amen? We need, I don't know, I need God. I need God in my life. I need His love and His mercy and His faithfulness and His goodness and His favor. Alright? Now let's go to Joshua 14. Joshua chapter 14. And this will be the, the high note. You know, it's very important to remember what God said to you, whether it comes through an individual or it comes through the Holy Spirit or however it comes, it's very important for us to remember what God said and it's up to us to keep that active and alive in us. Okay? And this is what Caleb did. In Joshua chapter 14, and uh, Moses was talking about inheritance. And look at verse 6. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua. Now, Caleb is the head of Judah. He's the leader of Judah. Right? He's a leader. He's a, of a prominent family, right? That's why he was picked to be a spy, because he was a leader. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzites said unto him, You know the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and Kadesh Barnea. I love that. He says, he's, re- he's about to remind uh, Joshua, who's now in charge of distributing the inheritance, he's about to remind Joshua what God said. He's about to bring into remembrance what God said he could have. Why? You can't Possess what God said unless you knew what He said. Okay? So, He says this. You know the, the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and the and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. You've got to get the word in your heart. Right? Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. That's talking about the ten spies. They brought chaos in the camp. Alright? But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and 5 years. Everybody say 45 years. So how old is he now? He's 85. Okay? And I want you to listen to his description of himself based on God's word at 85. Let me tell you, friends, it doesn't matter what age you are. You are what God says you are. 
You can do what God says you can do. You can have what God says you can have. Let's just get in agreement with God. Amen? Every birthday, I tell myself, I go from glory to glory. I get better and better. Amen? Listen, we ought to be better than wine. Wine gets better with age. Why not we? I got some new wine in me. Amen? I got some intoxicating power called the Holy Ghost. Amen? And he's, he's thrilling me. I go from glory to glory. I get better and better. So he's 85. And uh, notice what he says. He said, the Lord spoke this word uh, unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. How does one keep their strength the same as 40 to 45? You're walking with God. You're talking God's message. You're believing God. You're standing on His promises. You're, you're, you're doing what God wants you to do. You're being with, you're fighting, amen? It was the blessing of the Lord on his life that kept his strength. Now notice this. It gets better. Right? He said, as my strength was then, even so it is now for what? For war. He was, at 85, he was bringing a spear to a battle. He was bringing a sword. He said, I'm as strong now as I am for war. He said, I'm about ready to go to war because someone is in my inheritance. Someone has my possession and I'm about to dispossess them of my stuff. I am as strong now for war both to go out and come in he can walk out he can come in and you don't want to mess with Caleb because he'll take you he'll whoop your little behind I can see the younger guys He's over the hill. He ain't got any more. Oh, I got to tell you this. Pastor Hayden, you know, he's a fighter. And uh, I was at a men's conference a few years back, and he was telling this story. And uh, he said, this guy came up to him and said, oh, you're not much of a man, Pastor Hayden. And Pastor Hayden looked at him and said, we'll go out back and I'll show you what kind of man I am. (laughs) That's a fighter, man. That's a fighter. A fighter doesn't have to talk. The fighter will show you just exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, the Lord strengthened him. He equated his strength with his walk with God. Now, you have to imagine some of Caleb's relatives died in the wilderness because they were influenced by the negative report, which God calls an evil report by the ten. Now, there's two to three million people in Israel, this group that came out of Egypt. Because there were 600,000 soldiers that were in their 20s or a little bit younger. Not to mention the women and the children, amen? So you're talking at least two to three million people. Now, could you... Keep your faith strong in the midst of whiners, complainers, 
grumblers and people dying left and right before you? See, Joshua and Caleb were of the minority who actually believed God. But yet, they had to live 40 years with the rest of these bunch of people. (laughs) Now, I've heard people say, Oh, you don't know where I'm at. And the people that are around me, they're so negative, they're so awful. Stop looking at the people and start looking at what's inside of you. Stop putting your excuse of, of, listen, he who is in you is greater than who is in them. Amen? And it doesn't matter. It could be a hundred to one, a hundred complainers to one praiser, and the praiser's going to win. It could be a, a thousand people and one worshiper, a thousand against one, and that worshiper's going to win. It could be a ten million against one word talker, and that word talker is going to overcome every one of them in the name of Jesus. We've got to start living like Caleb lived. Amen. We cannot let the pressure of this world or the pressure of the job or the pressure of the neighborhood or the negative family members influence us. We need to stand our ground and we need to fight in the name of Jesus. That's why when you vote, you're fighting for the election. You're fighting for this country. I mean, (laughs) anybody that gets ticked off at people not standing for the flag, that's my man. That's my man. The flag, the flag is not racist. It's got all kinds of colors in it. The national anthem is not racist. So if you've got a problem with those two things, you need prayer. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, Hebron was a mountainous area. And inhabiting Hebron was the descendants of Anak. He had three sons and they were giants. Let me see they were giants. I better read this. Okay? Verse 12. Now therefore. Everybody say now. now. When, it's t- when you enter into now, stop waiting. When you enter into now, the waiting stops and the action begins. Okay? Caleb said, now therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spoke in that day. What is your your mountain could be anything? It could be your healing. It could be prosperity. It could be peace. You got to take your mountain. Whereof the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims were there. Notice He said, "We're there," and that the cities were great and fenced. Okay. If so be, the Lord will be with me. We already know that he's with him. He's been with him for 45 years. Then I shall be able to what? Drive them out. Because I'm 85 and I'm good for war. Yeah. As the Lord said. 
And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, unto this day, because he that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba. Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Caleb dispossessed the last three giants, and when he did that, there was no more war. He put he ended the war with fighting for what was his, fighting for his inheritance. He, he said, God promised it to me, and I'm taking what I was promised. He didn't even ask for permission. He said, God gave it to me, and I want it. Now give it. And, and Joshua's like, Joshua was in agreement. Yeah, God, Joshua blessed him. He empowered him to take the mountain. Because Joshua knew he could take the mountain. Him and Joshua stood together in faith. Can you imagine the pressure? The peer pressure of everybody against you. And you've got only one other person standing with you besides the Lord God Almighty. The whole camp was infected with the negative. They were weeping. They were complaining. They were carrying on. Joshua and Caleb didn't complain about the odds against them. They just kept magnifying God. They kept declaring His Word. They kept standing strong. They kept fighting the good fight of faith. They never let up. They never let the enemy gain ground. They kept the pressure on them. Listen, if you're experiencing peer pressure, turn it around. Put the pressure on them. Amen. Just like Jesus. Pharisees, we want you to answer our question. Okay. I'll answer your question if you answer my question. He gave them the question. They said, we can't answer it. Well, they said, I'm not going to answer your question either. <laughs> Amen? Yep. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't do anything. The, the people tried to argue against Stephen in Acts 6. They couldn't. It was like arguing against an angel. Mm-hmm. He spoke with such wisdom and with such power and his facial. It got them so mad that they, they gritted their teeth. Oh, and they killed him. <laughs> And in his last dying moments, he doesn't even care. He forgives them, and he's looking at Jesus giving them a standing ovation. Can you say amen? Amen. Will you be a fighter like Caleb? Don't complain about how the battle's going. Know that it's going to go in your favor. Amen? You've got to know that because you showed up, you have already won. When you show up in the name of the Lord, you have already won. Amen? You've got to confront an enemy of sickness with the word. And you've got to be fierce about it. You've got to be aggressive about it. You've got to unleash your commanding authority about it. You've got to know that you're commanding from the commander-in-chief, Jesus. Think about it. Did the disciples that Jesus sent out in Matthew 10 and Luke 10, did they have the same results as they saw in his ministry? 
Yes, they did. Why? Because they were using the same authority, the same power, and they were using his name. They saw demons flee. They saw people get healed. They saw all kinds of things that Jesus said that would happen. Same exact thing. Alright? So God's calling us to fight today. Will you be a fighter? Will you go in and take what's promised you? I'll take what's promised you. If it's already promised, it's already yours. You don't have to ask God, can I have that? God's going to say, what did I say? Amen? And God is not going to do for you what he wants you to do. There are things that God wants all of us to do. And we have responsibilities. Amen? Caleb went, spied out the land. He did what he was told to do. He, he came back. He brought back a good report, as was, was in his heart. He represented God well. And when it all broke loose, he, come, he confronted those people who came against God. And he was, he was a minority. And he stood his ground. And he had to put up with those people for 45 years. You think you have a bad? And he overcame. And he maintained his strength. That wasn't an accident. It wasn't happenstance. There were things that he specifically did to bring that about in his life. Amen? And you are called to fight a good fight of faith. We are called to stand in faith. Amen? We have a job to do. Our job, primarily for all of us, is preaching the gospel to the world. And through your support, through your service, through your faithfulness, through your participation, it's happening. We're doing it. Amen? We're doing it. Because we are part of God's team. Together, everyone achieves more. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? It's okay for people of... Let me do this. Let me pray for the people who may be watching, and then I'm going to pray for you guys, okay? Father, so if you're watching today, I just want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life and profess a good profession before many witnesses. Father, I pray for those who are watching this morning in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you're encouraging them and inspiring them, Lord, to take possession of what you've given them, of what you've promised them, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that they're rising up and they're seizing the moment. They're seizing this opportunity, Lord. And they're being all that you've called them to be. They're doing what you've called them to do, Lord. They're taking their stand and they're engaging in this fight. They're using all of what you've given them to fight this fight, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to cause them to win in the name of Jesus. Lead God and direct them by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.